Hey everybody, this is Tucker Winstanley, and I am the audio engineer for this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, we are listening to the third and final part of our interview with Hawk and Shivana Newsom, where they cover so many topics, including what the Black Lives Matter movement looks like in other countries, how they think the protests will evolve after the upcoming election, and what time off looks like to them, and how important self-care is to the activist community. All this and much, much more coming up right now. This wonderful question by SB, uh, one of our correspondents, also known as a little lion. <laughs> Do you plan to leverage your platform through the fall to increase voter engagement and persuasion? Well, we have, actually. Hawk and I have been politically engaged probably since about John Kerry. Um, we ran against George Bush. I don't even know if every people listening know this. We're going to sound old as shit. But um, the swing states, which we have been to about a third of the swing states and actively ran voters registration campaigns um, and have spread the message, been down there for Gilliam, um, Stacey Ab- Abrams, Abrams uh, from Kenosha. That's where yeah. Jacob mm-hmm. Blake touches me so hard. I've been in Kenosha. I'm actually surprised that a black man was shot in Kenosha because you only see black people on college campuses in Wisconsin. So walking through the town, um, you don't see black people there. But in places like Kenosha and Racine, which are Wisconsin, you have to register people to vote. You have to get out people to vote. And the Democratic Party knows this. You don't see Republicans registering people to vote. That's not what they do. They just raise a shit ton load of money and they keep fear-mongering and racism going. But uh, for everyone who wants to get involved, register people to vote. Uh, go out. How the same way the uh, those, those Bernieites, uh, feel the burners, were going all around to uh, the Democratic primary places. People need to get on the bus and do that as well. They need to energize voters. They need to spread on the message that they can believe in once their demands are met. And, yeah, getting out to vote. This is from Jay, our photo editor and director of photography, Holiday Hustle. Uh, What can communities do to become more self-sufficient when it comes to, and I'm using air quotes, policing? More groups like the Guardian Angels or Cop Watch? What are your suggestions? Um, Well, we, we... do cop watch. We've had several instances that were made very public. We've we've um, put our bodies on the line. Been arrested when cops were enforcing racist social distancing practices. So um, what we're doing is we're training people to police the police. Something that we're launching called Black Opportunities. That's really in its infantile stage, and that's about financial literacy. It's about education, it's about housing security, but most importantly, it's about self-defense, right? So we're teaching people how to police our communities against the police, and also working with other organizations to defuse beefs in our community, like actively seeking funding for violence, violence interrupter groups, connecting groups like that to money that we won't even touch. Just like, hey, if this is what interests you, you need to invest in these people because crime in our communities, we don't use that other term, black on whatever, crime in our communities is very real to us, right? But we see the importance of building unity and investing investing and educating the people so that crime is reduced. 
financial literacy programs are underway. Working with um, actually people like Shivana and other like well-known authors who are drafting curriculums so we could teach our people about money. Um, to go back to what you said before about voter engagement, we're trying to put pressure on Biden and Kamala because if you look at their platform, the only things that they have that we advocate for are battles that we've won already. So, you know, like cash bail and things like that, that we won, they're like, oh, we're in favor of that. But things that we're pushing for now, they don't want any parts of. There was no talk of the DNC yeah. about it. From so it's, it's, it's just it's, it's so fucking hypocritical. And we hate Trump because, you know, he's an evil white supremacist. But I see a Klan hood on when I look at Biden. I see a, 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 a House Negro when I look at Kamala. So it's hard for me to get people inspired to vote for them. But what I can tell you is this, we've met with several candidates already, some of whom we already know we're endorsing their campaign, like Che, through our political action um, organization. Che Ossay. Yeah. From the Warriors organization. From, he's running for city council. Yeah, he's running for city council. For listeners who aren't familiar. And um, what we're doing for, for him is we've been staffing campaigns for 10 years. Right? Like, we know this shit. And um, we are also meeting with other candidates. So if we could get a bunch of candidates on the same plate, on the same ticket, advocating for the same things, all it takes is for us to win six of those seats and nothing moves through City Hall without the people's approval. So, taking all of this energy from New York City activism and putting it on door knocks, voter engagement for activists who are running, that'll secure us a chunk of City Hall. And then defunding the police won't even be a topic. Why? Because you got a bunch of young, sexy, brilliant people who look cool, who dress cool. Like, you see these kids? These kids are hot fashion, right? They, they, they're amazing. Their energy is amazing. You got that energy in City Hall. And that takes away from all their little rock stars, right? Funny thing about Black Lives Matter, Greater New York is, we endorsed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? First group in New York City to do that. She won't say it. She'll say it's the first three. She gave us her ass to kiss, during the Eric Gardner trial, or during the cop, you know, the interdepartmental hearing. Like, yo, sis, we need a press conference. You heavy. People want to hear what you got to say. Oh, I'll send out a tweet. Andrew Kears. She ain't mentioned. Now, Andrew Kears, us advocating for Andrew Kears is in her movie, Burn Down the House. When they show her standing with us in our logos, in the movie. She got elected. She put Andrew Kears in her stories once. Once. But we want to create a climate in New York where if politicians sell us out, they won't be able to walk through the street. And you can take that how you want to take it. But people we put in power, if they don't do what they need to do for our kids, and they walking through streets like Webster, like Walton, like High Bridge, they might get touched. Because right now you're an enemy to our community. You're depriving our children of education of a future. And if you're doing that, you're endangering our lives. So, if we could just get people thinking like that, there's going to be a lot of problems. Excellent For answer. the oppressive system. 
Thank you. Thank you for taking these on. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, just a couple more from the team. Uh, Derek French, Southern Cali Photo, is wondering, there is almost a distinct line within a protest between folks that are demonstrating via confrontation and folks that are looking for change through demonstration. How do you bring those two parties together and move forward on a common goal? Um, I never really see things one way. I think that you need both. I think that that add fear and pressure of the agitators as they're labeled as, you need that. You need that this country that was built on life, liberty, and property, that little fear of knowing that Fifth Avenue will be burnt down, as we've seen out in Minneapolis, we've seen the Wells Fargo branch burned down. You need that. The same way that you need people who are de-escalators. You need people who think logically, people who have a clear and please, and if you're having a march, this is a free bit of advice for all organizers and activists. What do you want from that march? So those people who have clear and concise demands, you need them. I think that they're already together. We've always had agitators. You talk about 2014, you talk about Eric Gardner, you talk about Trayvon Martin. Emotions will flare high. We are out there fighting for life and death. So it's hard for me to ostracize or to silence someone who is angry because they are watching their kinfolk, black and brown men and women being murdered. But I think there's a, there's a need for all of the energy there. I think that we have people who are working on policy, people who are working on community mutual aid. We need people who are going to jump in the cop space. We, we, we kind of need them to be barricaded and off and afraid that, and know that they are not as powerful as they once thought they are. So I think we need both. In a perfectly legal way, you know. <laughs> We want them it's in a the good, police. Good note. Good laugh. <laughs> you are not me. Like, no, um, but, I mean, <laughs> I, can, I don't condemn everybody. No, we never condone, yeah. nor do we condemn violence. But we will say that we are with the shits. I think that was a, a a really really great statement. And I'll add, like, there's a lane for everybody. There's a lane for nonviolence, and there's a lane for by any means necessary. But we must just understand how to keep everyone safe. From Lucy Baptiste, Flicks by Lucy. How do you stay level-headed every time you hear about another incident? Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Jacob Blake more recently. You know, these are just ones in the last few months. Brianna Taylor, we could go on and on. I was in Ferguson, the list is long. How do you stay level-headed when you hear about, quote unquote, another one? Um, to be transparent, I don't like to watch the videos. Like, we'll share them from the page if it's needed, or we need to, like, I would personally rather read it in print. Because as tough as I am, as much as I stand against racist police officers who are twice my size, and how many times I've been shoved or bumped, um, I'm a human being. So to watch someone murdered on film, it upsets me. And it fuels my fire. Instead of thinking, oh, another one, the names are growing so great that it pains me that I can't recall mm -hmm. all the names since I've been, I was born, since I was born, you think about Anthony Baez, you think about Eleanor Bunker, you think about, it's been so many people. Um, Sean Bell was the first time I actually ever marched for anyone. Um, 
It lets me know I have more work to do, to be frank. It lets me know when I see another one that I can't grow tired, that I can't grow complacent. I can't say, oh, they gave us a chokehold ban and give up. As long as there are black men dying every three months. I think someone just put out a graph or something that said it was only a few days out of the year as a black that someone wasn't yeah. murdered by <laughs> the police department. As long as we have stats like that, after I shed a tear, I say a warrior's prayer. Hmm. And I know that I have to get up and go fight. Like, yes, I can feel hurt. I can feel sad. But I can't give up. All I have is my optimism. I have my voice. Um, I have my wits with me. And I have an amazing and powerful team that stands beside me. So I have to keep going until there isn't another one. Sounds reminiscent of, if people haven't watched it, the Jacob Blake's sister just put out a statement. And she had a pretty similar sentiment where she said she does not get sad anymore. She gets angry because she has already shed tears for yeah. every single other black person who has been brutalized and murdered by the police. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to watch how people have, um, the response has changed. And it's a war. Yeah. And it's weird because I, I feel that we are warriors. Um, I refer to the most of the team as soldiers. And that's how I see it. In a war, unfortunately, life is going to be lost. But a soldier's job and a warrior's job is to complete the task and complete the mission. I think people have to time out self-care. Yeah. I see people cracking up in this movement. I see people turning on their team. I see people turning on the movement. I see people get so angry, so frustrated. I've seen their health deteriorate. Mm -hmm. I've seen people just become so bitter that the bitterness overcomes them you understand like so it's, it's 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 very important that you give people space like when i talk to some of these younger groups out here i'm like did a drop off happen yet and they're like yeah but it came back when this happened and i'm like you just got to be conscious and cognizant of the um of the turnaround time yeah i mean what do you call that turnout process, rotating door, there's a word that I'm looking for. Revolving door. Um it's, and it's just like my, you it's, know like, what I'm it's about. HR word. How many yeah, people stay a, the turnaround? It, yeah. Yeah. Huh? Retention, Retention rates. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Brother. Thanks, Mario. That's why he's so, an educator. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so these are things you really, really, really gotta be conscious of. Like I give people their space. You know, we are paranoid. We work with everybody, but our group has not grown by one member since George Floyd. We cool. We cool. We'll come mm. out and work with you and build with you, but we cool. Mm -hmm. I'm paranoid. Like, yeah. paranoid like crazy. COINTELPRO is real. So, um, a lot of times they send people to bust up your organization. And the thing is, like, this fame is a hell of a drug, man. Like, 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 this fame is a hell of a drug. You get up there... You get on this high horse, and and you, you just it's it, and that's that's what I would caution the young folks about, right? Because a lot of them are out there. There's a lot of attention. They're new to activism. They're new to the spotlight. There's gonna be a drop after this election, whether it's Trump or Biden. There's gonna be a lull. December, January. It's gonna be quiet unless the cops really do something. How are you preparing yourself mentally for that? Right? 
because when there's less action, people ain't coming out to march when it's 12 degrees, right? How, how are you gonna fulfill that need for that adrenaline rush? These are things you gotta think about. And it's a crash. Yeah, it's a crash. Like to go mm-hmm. from marching 90 days straight and imagine if things went silent, which we've seen with Eric Garner, we've seen with Philando mm-hmm. Castile, we've seen with the people who come before, and I can admit to feeling it. You feel like a withdrawal when things get slow. Like after last summer, um, and we just built it with the com- congressional campaign and other things, but it's an energy. It's like a high being out there protesting. So yeah. I, I, I think that's really smart. I love that. Really like, yeah. I love it. Cops coming. Helicopters. Spray, all that. You going to fuck me up? Fuck you. You ain't shit. I live for that shit, man. But it's, it's <laughs> but now it's like it's crazy because we feel like the OGs, right? It's like, nah, we don't have to be out there organizing every day. I mean, marching every day. But we're organizing from computers. We're making alliances. We're coming out when we have to. We're planning the next steps, right? And the next step look like hardcore community engagement. I mean, we bought out thousands, right? That's cool. We bought out thousands of activists. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Just mm-hmm. imagine when, through Black Opportunities, we have the ability to bring out thousands that we've fed and educated ourselves that is not a protest that is not a movement that is in fact an army that's power you mentioned briefly like the kind of internal weight of all this and I wanted to ask I mean you both are very open about your faith what role does your faith play for you in this movement um it's everything uh, as we, and we respect all faiths and all religions, but whenever we go out on the battlefield, what it truly is, we say a prayer. If we open up and we were having a team meeting right now, we would pray because, and Hawk loves to say this as well. He's going to say I stole his words, but, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ was the biggest revolutionary to ever live hands down. And if you model your life like Christ, um, you'll be fighting. Um, Jesus Christ, for people who don't know, he was lied on and murdered by the police in an unjust government. Um, yeah, and think about the, the mutual aid that Jesus Christ did, how he fed people, and all the miracles of healing. So that's my model. When I get tired, um, I think of Jesus. I think of God. I think of how fortunate I am to be able to use um, this platform that we created, this power that I have to fight and better for my community. And just doing the activism has helped because most churches have actually been closed. Um, and it's tough for a Christian, um, tough for anyone who um, has deep faith not to be able to go to Sunday morning worship. So it's about taking church and taking it to the streets. And I feel that that's what we've been doing when we fill up a community fridge, when we go to fight for DREC, or when we are out there fighting every day for the countless people who we never met. We saw a lot of them. We've never even met their families, but we're there for them. I feel that we're truly doing God's work. Did you ever envision Black Lives Matter, the movement, having a space in Thailand? You're going to answer this because you're <laughs> I mean, from Thailand? Like, I was in Thailand, right? And uh, I was shooting the Five Bloods with Spike Lee, and I played myself, right? <laughs> and had some black folk. I was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, 
you get me as many black people in and around Chiang Mai, Thailand, in a room, and I want to talk to them. We had about 20, 30 people from all over Thailand and just talked about liberation. You know what I mean? Like, just talk about uplifting black people in a space that was black-owned. And, you know, it's owned by a husband and a wife. What's the name of it? Oh, man, I feel terrible. Maybe you shouldn't say their name on radio. But, uh, yeah, for real, for real. But, uh, yeah, for real, they get kicked out. But, um, yeah, but it is. It's, it's black-owned. And um, went in there and just built. I've done something similar in the Netherlands. I've done it in Paris. I've done it in, well, I did it in the Netherlands, but I also hung out with refugees in a squatter's house. Black refugees get it real bad in Amsterdam proper. Um, so whenever I go around the world, usually it's white people fly me out because they have enough to pay me to speak, right? That's how I make some money. They fly me out to speak, and then while I'm there, on the way, I, I get in touch with the black folks who are activists out there. So yeah, I go and talk to these intellectuals, but then I'm gonna go and build some real pan-African grassroots type shit while I'm there. And um, that's how it moves, you know what I mean? Like, like that's how this whole movement really, really, really moves and, and, and like it's, it's really important to be transparent in what you're doing right and for us it's all about liberation it's all about the liberation of black people first all other oppressed people second because that's who I am right? I'm out here fighting for black folk but we get called when trans people get killed we get called, I mean, look, I mean, we serve black and brown people. Most of the people who were served in the People's Food Program were Latinx. We here to help. But, you know, we just keep a real pro-black perspective. But if you really went back deep enough, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you understand that folks are Afro-Latinx, and, and we all come from the same place. Pan-Africanism is very big, very big in our book. That's why when we created a logo, it wasn't stereotypical, um black and yellow, Black Lives Matter, it was red, black, and green. The Pan-African flag, the red for the blood, the black for the people, the green for the land. And just in terms of it spreading, I think that we have to talk about the mar martyr again, but in closing, George Floyd. I think that the world seeing what we saw and what we know ourselves to be as human beings and creations of God, and when the world watched the murder of George Floyd, I think it let people see that black people are humans. It let people who wanted to see, who weren't blinded by their racism and their hatred see that. So yes, Hawk has spread um, our, our movement internationally. But then you get calls from Tel Aviv hmm. as a Black Lives Matter chapter, hmm. who right I, I talk to um, Ben Forrest, I talk to him all the time. You have people in Denmark who are old friends and allies who are starting um, their own chapter and leading protests. I think what makes it so beautiful and it's weird being in like the eye of the storm, you can't see the whole thing. Um, I wish that sometimes I was a spectator for a day or so so I could sit back and see the impact of 
this being the biggest because like right now let's be real BLM the title the moniker Black Lives Matter Great New York is just what the civil rights movement title was but this is the largest civil rights movement the world has ever seen so I'm just appreciative in my wildest dreams like when it's three people shutting down a highway and you're running communications and you know the cops and the are coming you have to get lawyers and all these other things I think when you're doing the work you can't see it I think that when your head's down and you're focused on the goal at hand and you're giving it all and you're never sandbagging it, I don't think you can appreciate it. So I'm grateful to people like you who document the whole process. So when I'm in my rocking chair somewhere on an island, um, <laughs> I will, I'll appreciate this. I'll be like, look at me with the Pan-African flag or look at the team or look at the great things we accomplish when we see more legislation, when we see more representation. Um, so I'm happy that I'll have you guys look back in the history books and see, because I don't think we can appreciate the magnitude of what's actually happening around yeah. us. Yeah, we'll yeah. need distance to know even just what <clears throat> what photos and, and what images are the ones that stand out in, in you know, 60 years or something. Exactly. And the role, I think, also of documenting this, you mentioned the world watching George Floyd. If that hadn't been recorded, I... I, I don't know that we would all be out here right now. I don't know that we'd be having this conversation. And no, um, yeah. And that's why we need black opportunities. And I just have to throw this in and say it. And I encourage everyone, like, you know what? It's going to sound real anarchish. Yeah. But don't record anymore. Record. But don't let that be all that you do mm -hmm. when you see someone dying. If that it's means real. that you have to take a baton or you have to take a taser or you have to spend a few nights in jail, reach out. We will send lawyers. I'm hmm. really good at getting Quick. people out of jail. Yeah. Um, stand up. I know that we needed it and I know Will Smith had like said it. And shout out to him for that video he did on the movement. Um, but this has been happening. If my parents, my mom's family who had fled Jim Crow South because the KKK was after her dad. If they had cell phones, we would have seen black men being the strange fruit from the poplar trees. So I'm happy the world can see it now so they can't turn a blind eye, but this is what my people's history has been like in this country. Thank you for a very thorough answer. That was a terrific question submitted by Katie Godowski on our team. Uh, so that completes all the team questions. If we can shift gears for just a second, I, again, we don't want to take all your time tonight. We know you're sure, busy. you sure? I'm kidding. We know you're busy. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. But we want to get, this is your encompassing thing. You're like Tom and I, and we have a different perspective on it, but you know, we're sleeping three, four hours a night because yeah. this is all we do. Yeah. What else do you do? What's your favorite restaurant in New York City, Shavana? Oh, What kind gosh. of cuisine do you like? No, my, my socialist friends are going to kill me right now if I actually <laughs> said it, but I have grown a fondness to outdoor restaurants that serve grilled octopus. Oh, oh <laughs> so, wow. So the okay. reason why, so good. So yeah. the, the reason why I can comfortably say this now, <laughs> and I am starting to be vulnerable and show pieces of me on my social media is from Eric Gardner last year happening and stopping the, um, the bans on abortions up until the June 23rd primary where I most recently ran for Congress. I didn't take a break for 16 months. So this was all I did was eat, sleep, and breathe activism and people outreach. So say, oh, to be real, I have taken self-care this summer. It was needed. I was aging. I think I saw a gray somewhere. But um, 
don't feel guilty about self-care. But the thing is, just like with any career path, whether you're in corporate America or whether activism and dedicating your life to people is what you do, you don't need that balance everyone talks about all the time. It's okay to dive completely into all the things that you love and you care for, but just listen to the cues. Listen to your body. Know when you need to go and lay under some sun or eat some grilled octopus. Yeah. That's actually um crazy. Like, uh, my family, my two kids, my son, my daughter, but after Donald Trump tweeted and called me traitor or treasonous or whatever he said, I've been getting an uptick in death threats. It was a few hundred and now it's a couple times a week. So I can't really stay in one place for too long. So if I could get away someplace pretty, right, and, and lay out in the sun and just work from my computer, work remotely, right, then I'll do that. I got, you know, friends who actually do, they actually use their law degree to make money. So they do cool things for me. Like they'll get me a fast car. I love fucking <laughs> fast cars. I'm a champagne socialist. I think people should be able to have whatever they want, but everybody should have a home. Everybody should have healthcare. I love fucking loud ass engines. I was looking at 180 miles on the dash. I know this ain't the cool thing to say. But it's the real thing to say, right? Cigars. This is the cigars. first time I, I've seen you without a cigar in your mouth or your hand. Can, can what is your brand of cigar? <laughs> ah, and can you tell our audience what they can expect to drop on a, a fine cigar like that? Ah, <laughs> whoa. That's a lot. You really trying to get me in trouble. This is what Maybe we should get a picture of this real quick. So, 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 I have a cigar on deck. This is, I love Padrones. I love Padron Anniversary Editions. So, a usual stick oh for me <laughs> will be about $18 to $25. Okay. But, like I said, I don't drink. I don't smoke bud. Right? I got one girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? So, the only one girlfriend. So, 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 you know, I don't have vices. Like, I like cigars. And, um, like, I have very cool friends, right? Like, people who, there's a lot of people who love what all of you do, not just us, who love what all of you do, listening, that are like, damn, I ain't got the heart to do what you're doing, so let me do something nice for you. I went to somebody's house who owns a clothing line, wife's a celebrity, fucking, I just went to pick up clothes, right? He's like, I got free clothes, you like my stuff, come and get it. I went, his wife, celebrity, I'm leaving, I grab a cigar, a Padron, out of my car. He was like, you like cigars? He came and gave me a box of cigars and was like, save these for special occasions. So I'm like, ooh, baby. I threw it in the back seat and I drove. When I got back to the spot, I Googled it. He gave me a box of $100 cigars, $100 sticks. Like, wow, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, 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 I like when do you yeah. light those up? Have you yet? Oh, man, I, I was supposed to save them. But life for us is a special. <laughs> well, we out here stressing out every day. 
Wind. I was going to say, did you make it the ride back to your yeah. crib out there? <laughs> nah, no, trust me. I saved a couple, though. But um, the, the truth of the matter is, like, I say it's cigars and food and great scenery. Like, like, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're somewhere expensive. That means driving to a park that overlooks the water. Maybe even just going across into Jersey City and looking in the city. Or, or, or going to Bear Mountain and sitting out over a cliff. Like, I love nature. And if I could get to a beach, oh yeah. I don't, you know, I'm more of a pool swimmer. Oh but um, I like the layout. I like to read. By God, do you understand as activists that we have no time to read? I felt that. Yeah. Even just, even just on this side, it's, <laughs> I, my reading list is so long right now. It's, yeah. I can't, because I you're no only time. reading stuff about the movement. So yeah. I actually got to pick up a new book at the airport last week by my favorite author, um, the dude who wrote The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. So I've read most of like his stuff, Paolo Coelho. I always mess up the last name. But yeah, you don't get to read. And mm-hmm. you feel out of touch. Like You're only reading some like crime stats and poverty yeah. reports. So. I've been reading a lot about NYPD pension data lately. I see. You were very well informed with that. You were very well. <laughs> I like that thrilling yeah. real page turners on the I know. Show. I read a lot of um, <laughs> leadership books. Like John C. Maxwell, I read about military leaders. Um, I read a lot of Machiavelli, right? Mm-hmm. I read Machiavelli a lot. For me, my reading is usually based around strategy. Strategy because, like, if I learn good leadership traits, I can teach it to other people, right? Like, I sat with a therapist this weekend, and she was like, I'm going to teach you how to. And somebody paid for that appointment. You see what I mean? Like, it's, it's dope stuff. People, Nice people do nice stuff for you. Um, and she was like, I'm going to teach you how to change your blueprint, right? So that you can teach others how to change their blueprint. Like, that's what it is. Like, I don't, I don't live for me. I live for the oppressed. And more than likely, when I die, um... 90, at age 90, because that's what the psychic said. You know what I mean? I will have lived a full life fighting for oppressed people. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing what I, I'm on this planet to do. Nothing else. You couldn't come and make me the head of American Express or, you know, some god-awful couple, company where I got a golden parachute and my salary is eight figures annually. I would reject it to do what I'm doing now. Love this shit. I love this shit. Yeah. Last one from me. What's at the top of both your Spotify? <laughs> um, Cardi B and Megan, because I'm all for women empowerment. Mm-hmm. So a little WAP. Um, and Nas's new album is actually really deep and soulful. And it's just a whole bunch of beautiful black girl and black boy joy all this magicness so those two things i'm definitely listening to megan the stallion and nas right now talk for you um roddy rich i heard you got a new joint coming out megan the stallion because in cardi i mean because the women are out rapping the men nowadays period um not even up for discussion uh but king's disease is fire that's nas's new album mm-hmm. So, um, it's usually some ratchet trap shit or some woke shit. 
Uh, in the morning, I start with gospel. Though gospel, yeah. I do. Yeah. That's how I center. Set the tone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then right. it's like, say, you gotta get ready for a protest or a press conference or something. Dennis. You need some. Yeah, hip hop. No, I'm lying. For protest, you're right. It is public in me. It's always <laughs> FTP um, for every day. Um, yeah, and then the middle of the day, you want something up to eat. So you listen to your trap music. It's like I can tell what time of the day it is or what action <laughs> it is by what I'm listening to. And if I want to feel classy, <laughs> I'll do something relaxing and listen to classical music. If I want to feel cool before I go to sleep, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bath. I'm a shower person. I take like four baths a year. So I'll take a bath and listen to some Everyone's jazz. Everyone's that bath when you said you didn't No, I wash. I wash a couple times a day. But um, another activism myth disbanded. No. <laughs> I wash a couple times a day. And, um, and, and I listen to like some jazz, you know, some Miles Davis and, and just some Coltrane and just vibe out, you know. But um, for me, it's definitely going to be some hood, hardcore shit. 99% of the time. Tom, you have anything else to add? Um, I mean, the things that I would want to add are uh, more questions about the state of the movement and whatnot. So I think I'm happy to end it on, on that note. Anything else the two of you want yeah. to tell our audience um, beyond what you've, we've already discussed? Um, my life's mission is to let people know that they're powerful. So all that we give and all that we do is letting people know that they have a power to change an oppressive system. They have a power to change their circumstances, that we do not have to be defined and confined by the system that was not, got, not designed for us. So reclaim your power. Like, you can change the world. Okay. Um, the worst is behind us. We are alive and we are building the world that we want to live in. Just know that because the worst is behind us, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Freedom ain't free, brothers and sisters and those who are non-gender conforming. Freedom ain't free. You're going to have to risk it. You're going to have to fight for it. And we will attain it because I believe that we will when Hawk and Shavana Newsom, thank you so much for taking the time for uh, well the whole yeah. organization is BLM Greater NY on Instagram mm -hmm. and on Twitter uh, my personal at is New York Fonny that's the new whole word spelled out B-O-N and I and you can find me on that and I know that you guys will probably spell my name my name, full name is on all platforms mm -hmm. and you can easily google me and that's um, Hawk H-A-W-K dot newsome n-e-w-s-o-m as in mary e on ig and y'all need to help me <laughs> on twitter for real <laughs> i need help on twitter because my other page got shut down because i called a certain sportscaster a c-double-o-n <laughs> and he reported me and got me kicked off twitter so um my twitter is i am i am hawk h-a-w-k N-E-W-S-O-M is in Mary E. And I stand by that stands. He is still up. <laughs> so weird. We <laughs> just for everyone to know, that was self-censorship. Bravo. Self-censorship here in the South Bronx at its finest. Siobhan and Hawk, thank you so much for Thomas Ella. This is Kevin Xavier. 
You have been listening to the Protest Coverage Podcast, and we'll see you in the streets. Peace. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you again to The Nuisance for taking the time to sit down with us. Protest Coverage is a large team consisting of so many talented individuals who work around the clock to keep this thing running smoothly. Check out our show notes for links to their social media, and follow Protest Coverage on Instagram to keep up to date with all the latest protest-related developments. Lastly, a special thank you to Nakara Warren for giving us today's intro and outro music. She's an incredibly talented musician, and you can hear more of her work on her website, which can also be found in the show notes. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode for you all. See you soon.